Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So my guest today is Lee Wachner. He's a renowned organizational consultant with over 25 years of experience serving clients ranging from nonprofits to Fortune 500 companies. He's a founder of Counterintuity, where he helps nonprofits and public agencies with their marketing. I literally just noticed I have, I have um, something on my skirt. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> that, that was the breakdown there. Uh, thank you for making the time. It's wonderful having you with us. Well, it's nice to be here. And um, I just checked and I don't have anything on my skirt. So I think I'm... That's like- good. That's good. We're good to go then. <laughs> Let's start with a bit of a background. I always do that. So yeah, tell me how, how did you get to do what you're doing now? Well, uh, so a lot of my background is as a writer. And so I've been in business and in in the arts and writing my entire life. Um, So I started writing and sending things off to magazines uh, when I was about 12 and started to get published when I was 14. And I started my first business when I was 12 as well. I uh, bought and sold collectible comic books um, as collector's items through the mail. My father staked me $40 to start that business. And and I ran that business for eight years until I was 20. Um, Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. as a writer, I'm a playwright and I co-founded a theater um, 30 years ago. We just had our 30th anniversary. And um, and the people in the theater, that's really a business that you're running because people have to show up at a certain time. This The show has to start at a certain time. They had to park somewhere. You had to sell the tickets. You had to market it. I mean, it's very it's a very business-oriented art form. Um, and, you know, Shakespeare was a producer as well as a playwright. So... Mm. Um, what happened is, um, people would start to come to me and say, oh, could you do some writing for me? Could you do some strategy for me? We don't know about our branding and our positioning and how we tell our story. And so, um, 30 years ago, I started consulting for a number of different companies doing that sort of thing, writing for them. I wrote for hotels. Um, I wrote for other marketing agencies. I wrote for a very well-known bank. Um, here in the United States. And um, uh, and I started doing work for nonprofits because I started to sit on nonprofit boards. And so a lot of my consulting took me to things like the California Citizens Budget Commission, I think it was, and things like that. I worked on California, <clears throat> City of Los Angeles charter reform in the 90s. And so you start to hear that um, there was a lot of writing, marketing, and branding work to do in that sector. And because I was a writer and also... Um, did a lot of nonprofit service, I was well suited to that. Okay. And so that brought me to here and to make, uh, to give you the rest of that journey. Um, my my business partner and I uh, had worked together in the theater a little bit. And then she was doing, she actually has a background in advertising and marketing. That's her education. Um, and so she had a small consultancy. I had a two-person shop by this point. We merged our companies and here we are. We're now in our 16th year. At oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's quite a fascinating story. And I, I love the fact that like you came from a writing background and it's uh, even though it's very like obvious when you think about it, that marketing is a lot about if not like pretty much all of it is about communication and so storytelling it still feels like storytelling is a very recent term and like very recently people started calling it that and paying attention to it at least to me maybe maybe i'm wrong but like i, I remember when 
I had an IT company uh, about 18 years ago now. Yeah. Oh, my God. My son is 18. That's why I counted that. And I was like, well, <laughs> when did that go? But um, like the content on the website didn't seem that important at the time. Like we would do, you know, the software, the presentation, the everything. And people would, a lot of entrepreneurs and even like, you know, decently sized companies would think, oh, I can just do it myself. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, it's not something that you need to hire somebody whose job it is, et cetera. How do you feel? Uh, in your experience, that has changed over time. Well, there are things on a website that are not that are written not to be read, except by bots. <laughs> so, you know, you can hide a lot of things in the code and you can do a lot of small type on pages and you can write big blog posts. And the, and the goal there is to get Google to read them. Yeah. And Google reads them and moves your position up in search engine optimization. But the things that you actually want real human beings to read um, had better have, have a point of view and had better be mm. scannable on a screen because the eye is going to scan it more than it reads it. Mm. Um, and it had better tell that story quickly and be compelling. Um, you know, reading is essentially pattern recognition. Mm. Um, I, I was a literacy tutor, a volunteer years ago, and they teach you how to teach people how to read. So I was teaching adults how to read. Mm. And and in English, if you if you try to sound things out by the spelling, and I would say the same thing in French, because I studied French, um, it it does not sound out the way it's spelled. So mm. in English, the word numb, N-U-M-B, why is there a B on the end of it? Mm. And I, I, yeah, French I, is even worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's pattern recognition. And and so when I was a newspaper editor, which I was at one point in my career, I, I, was, I became senior copy editor because I'm very good at pattern recognition and seeing at a glance something that was misspelled. So because people perform pattern recognition in their reading, when you're writing for print or digital, whatever you're writing for, if it's designed, it had better be scannable because that's how they're going to read it. Novels are read differently, obviously, mm. but headlines, images, um, calls to action, things like that on a website, on a, any digital presence had better be designed to be understood at a glance. And so mm. years ago here, what, we've won 48 major marketing awards over the years. One of them was mm-hmm. for writing. I, I, for my work here, we won an award for the writing on a website and the homepage had four words, <laughs> but it really, it told the story. yeah, it had four words, but it told the story and, and it, it just immediately communicated what they were about. So we won an award for four words. Oh, what were the words? Oh, let's see. Strength was one. Uh, I can't even remember anymore. It was a very large, um, industrial crane company. And so, um, you know, we wanted to, they were getting calls from little old ladies who would say, my kitty cat is up in the tree. Can you send a crane? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, so, so we did big fisheye photos and we used very sh- few words to communicate the scale of the operation. And so then all of their leads became the right leads. Mm, that's cool. That's that's quite funny how you yeah can can sort of filter the audience, which is pretty much what everyone is is trying to achieve ultimately. What about your own name, your own brand name, Counterintuitive? Yeah. So um, you know, expertise is important, and uh, but so is trying new things. And mm. we have methods here of trying um, different things. And one of the things we do here is we do a Socratic method. And you know, Socrates would gather his people around, and then they would. Um, discuss things and try to figure out the deeper meaning. And that's part of our effort here to work with particularly nonprofits and public agencies. The Anybody can get a little stuck in their own world, right? So when I go to my house, 
I, I'm used to everything that's there in the house, including the two dogs who very joyously greet me at the door, right? There, nobody is as happy to see me as those dogs, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and my, my son is, you know, middling happy to see me, but the dogs are thrilled. But if you came to my house, you would recognize everything. You would see everything as new because you hadn't mm. seen it before. And so in counterintuity, we apply strategies that we have to think about things in fresh new ways to try to get at the core meaning. And that process is a little counterintuitive. And if you don't do anything, um, you'll never do anything new unless you think counterintuitively and challenge your own um, experiences and your own wisdom. Mm, that makes sense. And because I'm obviously involved in domain names, so I cannot escape the question, you got the matching.com domain name. What are your thoughts on, on the importance of doing that for brands, whether they're nonprofit or for profit? You mean of capturing all the various extensions, the do various domain names? Um, generally, on your opinion on the importance of domain names nowadays? Well, it's in English, it's very hard to get them. <laughs> it's very yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there, there are no, I think I read that there are no single English words available. Also, and then, um, and then it was, and then people started to add go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, go branding, branding, go right. And, oh, you know, go to branding, go. And then all those guys. <laughs> And now people are doing things like how. So you get websites like Scribe How. And mm. I, I think, you know, I think it's important to get something that people can remember. On the other hand, if you are, if you are unique and tell your own story in a compelling way, people can find you through search. People can find you on social. There are lots of different ways to find you. So I think it's an important component, but it's a component among other mm. components. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and that's oftentimes what um, I advise my clients as well. And it also really depends on, on the company itself, or the size of the company, the vision, the, the target market, so many things. It's just, I guess the important thing is to um, take that seriously and, and yeah, just use it as one of the tools that, that you have on your hands to, to create a strong brand. So do you only focus on uh, nonprofits or how, I mean, who do you work with generally? So we have clients across the country. Um, we, we work with I Love New York. That's a huge campaign in New York. We work with Grand Central Terminal in New York. Um, we have a client, uh, Journey Healthcare Solutions in Florida, which helps pair, um, <clears throat> excuse me, travel nurses with where they can be of best use in the field. We work with University of Southern California, uh, National Association for the Public Defense, Weingart Center, which helps break the cycle of homelessness. So yeah. there's a there's a huge range of clients. Most of them um, are in the world improving business because my partner and I are, are um, I guess we're just do-gooders, Tatiana. We just want to try to make the world a little better in our own way. And so we're drawn to the do-gooders. Um, but we have, we have some private industry clients and always have ideal pet products. They're super nice people and they, and they, um, do, uh, doors, pet doors for dogs and cats, and they have a line of other products and it's a lot of fun to work with them. Um, but most of our work is, is in nonprofit and public uh, public affairs. And part of the reason is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I, my partner and I both come from the nonprofit sector. Um, there's an opportunity there for a little fresher thinking about some things. Um, and if they can help make the world a better place, we all benefit. So we're, we're keenly mm. interested in helping them with that mission. Mm. 
Absolutely. And isn't it like funny with works with, with your brand and counterintuitive, but like you would have thought when somebody is doing good, that should be good enough in itself for, for, you know, them to just say, okay, that's what we're doing and it's good and people get it and people, you know, follow it and understand it and etc. So, and on the other hand, there's like that, um, marketing generally has that bad image of, you know, you're lying, you're selling things and making people want to buy things they don't need. So you're basically kind of in the middle of that, you know, the doing good and you're doing the marketing for the people who are doing good. Like how, how does that all work? Well, <clears throat> the only thing we, okay. So marketing is essentially about revealing the truth that's already there. Mm-hmm. So marketing is actually a very honest practice. When you're, when you're not marketing something that's actually there, we have a different word for it and that's lying. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no value in lying. I don't think so. Right. And, um, the beauty of the internet is that people find out the liars very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so because marketing is about revealing the truth that's already there, it actually helps people who need resources find where they can go and what's available to them. We did a campaign for City of Santa Monica some years ago. Um, City of Santa Monica uh, had all sorts of programs it was investing in and nonprofit organizations it was partnering with to provide these services to the residents of Santa Monica, but the services were underused because people Mm. didn't know about them. And so we set up a campaign. And part of what we did was we hired a whole bunch of at-risk youth. We trained them how to be bloggers and we had them go around town, write up stories on the nonprofits and post them. All of the nonprofits got all sorts of attention. The campaign got newspaper coverage and television coverage and everybody was really happy. And there, it was just the truth of what's already here, but now we help people see it. That's really what mm. marketing is about, shining a spotlight on the things that are already there so people can see them. Mm. That's a very cool campaign. Um, how do you feel it's, is marketing different for, for nonprofits, for your type of class than it is for like for-profit businesses, or is it at all? Um, I think there's a there's an overlap. Um, the The... The nonprofits, if they're selling something, like yesterday, I was editing copy for a client doing a big fundraising event, right? And so one could claim they're trying to sell tickets and sponsorships to the fundraising event. I view it a little differently. Homelessness is a major, major problem in Los Angeles. My Mm. client helps break the cycle of homelessness um, by uh, giving people the resources they need and the training and the housing to get them off the streets and into a new, a new situation to, to, to start over. Um, so I want them to sell those tickets and I want people to buy those sponsorships. And I, and I know that, uh, this organization is very successful and that, um, and that everybody can feel good about it because you've made this donation or this sponsorship You've enjoyed a day at the fundraiser and you know that your money is is going to assist with this mission. So um, in both cases, whether whether you are selling um, Coca-Cola or you are selling um, tickets to a fundraiser, you are trying to sell something and you're trying to create awareness. The end profit for Coca-Cola is it creates jobs, which people need to work. Right. And it creates some enjoyment because there are people who love Coca-Cola. And then on the other side. What it does is it alleviates a problem, which will create enjoyment and positivity for people in a different way. So there is a big overlap, Mm, a lot of similarity. The, you know, I think when it comes down to the profit aspect, Tatiana, it might be a little different. So 
Coca-Cola's main mission is to is to make a profit um, mm. as well as, you know, they're they're trying to make a positive impact in the world as well. The other folks, they're not as profit driven. Um, their their metrics, the way they track this, their goals, they're all a little different because they're they're trying to make a um, make an improvement in people's lives in a very different way. Mm. Something like, I, I would love to, if you can highlight some common mistakes that you see the type of organizations you work with make. And I, I, I'll try and because I've, I've done like a little bit of, but it's not even work. It's more like I've been involved in local nonprofits, um, but more as a like just the donor, not not in the marketing part. And something I've noticed, and I don't know if it's symptomatic to the uh, industry, is that because it's non-profit, people seem to be very dismissive of, of their own, whether it's, you know, services, work, like they, they undervalue it because it's non-profit. Do you find that's a thing? Like they would, you know, sell something for less because they're not profit and they're like nervous that, you know, oh, we can't ask for more because we're non-profit, that sort of thing. Do you, what, what do you feel are yeah, the mistakes you feel, you feel non-profits make most of? Um, okay. So the thing you're talking about is a lack of confidence mm. to some degree. And um, everybody, almost everybody has that. And the people who don't have that might be a little sociopathic. <laughs> <laughs> They may be a little damaged, right? I I mean, in various ways, everybody has a little bit of um, lack of self-confidence. And and that's why it's helpful to have a third party walk you through what is it you're trying to do? You know, the who, what, where, when, why, and how. What do you do? Who is it for? Um, Why are you doing it? How are you doing it? What's the impact? When is it happening? All, All of those things. And to, and to, Get them a little pick me up. So I, mm. I got home the other night, and my son, my son is twenty, and he took a break from college. And he was here in the U.S. when when we had the pandemic, the schools shut down, and so he missed out. His senior senior year was remote, so he didn't get a senior prom, he didn't get a graduation mm. ceremony, and he dated a number of uh, girls up to that point. And then you know school is over. And he works for himself. He runs his business out of my house. So he was kind of kicking around a little lonely. And I and so I said to him, you need to go back to the school. You'll you'll meet, you know, you'll meet other girls to date. You'll have more things going on. Your friends come over occasionally, but it's not enough. So mm-hmm. I go home uh, night before last. And I said, uh, are you registered for school? He said, yes. I, he had the meeting. And I said, that's really great. That's terrific. It'll be great for you. It'll be really fun. And he goes, well... I don't know if it'll be great. I mean, you know, I don't know. And and he starts to unspool the, the negativity. And I said, um, let me reset your expectations for you, okay? <laughs> you can hang out here 24-7 with the dogs doing nothing while I'm home occasionally because I work a lot. Or you can go back to college, meet a series of attractive young women, learn all sorts of things and broaden your horizon and have more fun. Which is it going to be? Mm-hmm. And he went, oh, well, when you put it that way, and I said, yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's the way it is. Mm. And, and y- you know, and he was stuck in his perspective. And what you hear is, I brought a different perspective right away. That's one of the things that we do with our clients. And so it, if you are in your industry, right, nonprofit, if you're running it, if you're running a department for, um, for a city, let's say we, we do work with cities as well. Right? Um, you are, you are locked into, and I'm, uh, these are really smart people, really smart, capable people. They have a tunnel vision about, about what they're doing. And we try mm-hmm. to, we try to widen the tunnel. 
right? Mm. And so they want to communicate everything right away. And so here's one of the things they do that I would call a mistake. They'll, you know, they will vomit out a thousand, 10,000 words about something and want it all in a communication. Mm. And my perspective is this should be 50 words or, <laughs> or, or three words. Let, let me help you with that because no one is going to read all of this. And, mm. and I say to them, I still read great Russian novels. Most people don't. They're not, <laughs> they don't have the energy to read a thousand pages of Tolstoy or whatever. We have to, we have to recognize the behaviors of your target market and their people who live in your city and they're busy and they came home and what you're saying to them is stuffed in the water bill or something, or they, or they, came across it in some other communication, they're going to glance at. What do you want mm. them to know? And you cannot tell them 19 things at the same time. Mm. What is the main thing? How do we get them involved? What's the main thing you need to communicate? And and so, um, you know, when you focus on immediate takeaways, focus takes you far. And, and we say to people all the time, um, focus, let me help you focus. Let's focus on this. How do we do this? Um, mm. and, it's, and when you take that perspective, and then you say, you know, most people are good people, which is true. How do you make it um, immediately understandable for them and actionable because they want to do better? They do. Sometimes mm. people get cranky on the internet, of course, and there's the narrow sliver of awful people, right? But most people are good people. They're busy. They just want to do better. We can help them do better with mm. I completely agree, actually, with that last point on the uh, internet. I think my next question is going to be, how do you feel technology has has changed and affected the way we, we communicate and the way you, you help people communicate? And that, I think, is one of the things where it's so easy to be like dismissive or nasty on the internet. And it's it's interesting how, from a business perspective, whether it's a non-profit or for-profit business, but when you communicate it with your audience, to make that, um, or what to make of it generally. Because people, like I have that um, with clients where on email, they would be like really, really, well, edging on the rude. And then we get on a call and it's nothing, nothing like that. And like, if you imagine as a company, you have like a lot of people like that. So how, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, well, so first we should note for listeners that you are in France and I'm in Los Angeles, California, <laughs> United States. So there's a communication story right there. And and when I was a boy, I grew up in a very rural area on the East Coast of the United States, kind of out in the woods. And um, there was no one to play with and no way to communicate with anyone. And so I got very involved in comic books, particularly Marvel comics. And the way you would meet people is if you got a letter printed in Marvel comics, they would print your name and your address and we would write to each other. Oh, and so I made friends so that way. There was nobody else around, right? So now we have this thing called the internet and I have friends um, across the United Kingdom and in Belgium and in France and elsewhere who mm -hmm. have unified behind things we care about, including a band called Para Ubu that I'm crazy about <laughs> and we're crazy about. And I've gone across the US, I've gone to London, to England twice, and I've gone to Spain to hear Perubu play, right? And I've I'm never heard of that. I'm writing it down. <laughs> uh, and it's named after um, the first theater of the absurd play, written by Alfred Jari, which was Ubu Wa, King Ubu, and so okay. the lead character is Perubu. So 
without the internet, it would be almost impossible for us to mm. meet and us to socialize. And we are a tribe that belongs together. Mm. So um, the other thing I, I would say on, on this topic is um, it, we used to think that what separated human beings from apes was the size of our brain, right? We have bigger brains so we can communicate and therefore we're separate than they are. More recently, evolutionary scientists have decided that it's the communication that led to us having bigger brains. Mm. And so um, communication is at the heart of humanity. It's what separates us. Crows communicate. I hear them every day when I when I go by my house, I have a lot of crows and I can hear them chuckle when mm. I'm walking up because they're warning other birds that there's a human here, but they don't communicate at our level. Mm. So what, what's happened here with the internet, we are in a period of great, great change. And it's because now all of the communication is instantaneous and everybody knows everything instantly. So 150 years ago, when the stock exchange was having a problem, you had to wait on the ticker if you had access to a stock ticker and it might mm. take you days to find out what's going on. And now everyone knows in a millisecond. Mm. And so uh, we used to talk about periods of upturns and downturns in the economy and they were long and slow. And mm. now we're in a period where we're going to have constant turbulence because the communication is instantaneous and change happens rapidly, rapidly. And so the question isn't going to be, is it turbulent today or not? The question's going to be, is it turbulence level one or turbulence level five? <laughs> Absolutely. On that, you, you mentioned now technology. So that's definitely something, and especially like with storytelling, copywriting, uh, and there's been the craziness around artificial intelligence, writing things, and it's actually like mind-blowingly good. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that's affecting or will affect what, what you do, for example? Um, so because I'm a playwright, I can tell you chat GP, GPT cannot write subtext mm. and communication is filled with subtext. So um, and if you go to see a lot of plays in particular, you you can hear the subtext behind what's going on. Right. Because mm. people who, like if I say to, if you say to me, Lee, how are you doing? And I say, fine. Well, it doesn't sound fine. Right. Mm. It sounds <laughs> that subtext. Um, it's the way I delivered it. In in American English, uh, how are you? I'm fine. Actually means not fine in a way mm. that, oh, he's so cool versus uh, she's so hot. I don't think mm. chat GPT understands these things yet. We'll see if it ever mm. does, right? But language is conditional. It's conditioned by subtext. There, the, I, I heard recently, um, content is king, but context is God. Mm. And, and chat GPT has a role. If you want to crank out a lot of hamburgers and the way McDonald's cranks out hamburgers, chat GPT will do an awesome job. Mm. If you want a gourmet meal, I don't, I know it can't do that now. And I don't know how quickly that's coming. And so it, it, what it does is it elevates the craftsmanship of real writers and makes those mm. writers more valuable than ever because everything else is being commoditized. Mm. Absolutely agree with you on that. That's, uh, I mean, I've been having obviously a lot of conversation on that topic, conversations on that topic, and uh, I feel the same way. I feel like if you're really good at what you're doing, whether it's, I mean, it could be useful like in scientific terms, in art, in whatever, but it's enhancing something that you have to already have otherwise it's yeah otherwise it can go actually pretty wrong <laughs> so so in the us in the 50s we start in late 40s we started to get levitt towns levitt towns were developments of all of the houses look the same we've bought mm -hmm. up all of this land all of the houses look the same 
and they were very uh, profitable and people needed places to live. And there was also a role for Frank Lloyd Wright, to the brilliant architect, to develop individual houses that made stunning statements. The same mm. applies to, Jap- to chat GPT versus actual writers. There's a role mm. for Levittown and chat GPT, and there's a role for actual human writers. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. What's next? What's like new and exciting for you uh, and, and your company this year? Um, we are uh, restructuring how we work so that we can take on even more work. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. We are honing in on changing our own branding, actually. And I mean, mostly the the design of the branding. Mm. Um, And so we have some exciting things coming up in how we're going to represent ourselves out in the field and to the clients. Um, I'm really excited about the work that some of our clients are doing. We uh, Environmental consciousness is at the forefront of every conversation anymore. And that's exciting. Mm. Um, and, And knowing the advancements in technology, knowing the greater awareness of the impact on the environment that everyone has. Um, I I can look young people in the eye and tell them, I think we'll be okay because we're all working on this. And and so I'm very excited about that global trend. I think that is a global trend. And I'm very excited about what my company is going to be doing to help people communicate what they're doing to help make the world a better place. I love that. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful way to end this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. And and I have to say again, um, what a gift the internet is and, and getting to meet you and have this conversation hmm. from across the Atlantic, or in my case, perhaps Pacific. Um, if we can have global conversations in 2023, um, what else will technology bring us to solve problems and bring people together? I can't wait to see it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Tatiana. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.